Welcome to After the Glory on Podclips. The elite athlete knows that his or her time in the spotlight and on a national stage will be no more than a small fraction of a lifetime. What has he done to prepare for the rest of his life? Is she ready to meet the challenges that lie ahead once her playing days are over? Two UCLA graduates from different generations and with an insider's knowledge introduce you to some of the greatest athletes of this or any generation as they talk about life after the glory. Lucy Singh is the founder of Resiliency, offering life and resilience coaching to athletes as they leave behind the field of play. Gary Stern is a Southern California consumer attorney and mediator and a veteran of multiple baseball fantasy camps where he was coached by some of the game's elite players who know what real life is all about once their playing days were over. And now, here's Lucy and Gary. Today we're here on After the Glory with Gary Stern and a wonderful friend of mine, Patrick Cowan. Patrick is a former UCLA quarterback and most well known for a game in 2006 where he went 12 for 21 for 124 yards and helped us beat USC. Woo, go Bruins! Now, Patrick also spent some time with UCLA Development uh, with also a few nonprofits in the LA area as well as in Kenya, which we'll learn much more about soon. He's very well versed with the Educational and Nonprofit Network, and is currently the VP of National Commercial Sales at Tycor Title. Patrick, welcome to After the Glory. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and upbringing, and why football? <laughs> uh, well, thanks for having me, Lucy. Uh, it's always good to see you. My upbringing and why football. I, I have a brother. My brother Joe is a year older than I am, and he also played football. He played everything growing up, and... Uh, my brother was a, a ended up being a scholarship wide receiver to UCLA, and growing up, he pretty much needed somebody to throw him the ball, and <laughs> that uh, was the best teammate to grow up learning the game with, and uh, together we learned how to play football. You know, Patrick, awesome. uh, the the interesting thing about football, of course, is that uh, you can play a little bit of flag football and touch football. Tackle football is a, another thing altogether for a young person. Uh, when was the first time that you got hit and that you were part of the sport of tackle football? What did that feel like as, as you're becoming an athlete uh, and coming into your own as a young person? So I actually didn't play tackle football until high school. Uh, I played flag football my whole childhood. Uh, and actually, more than anything, I played soccer, uh, played basketball, track and field, uh, and some volleyball. But I didn't play tackle football until high school. And I remember the first day of freshman camp when we finally put on pads, you know, everybody line up and we're going to, everybody goes to defense and then we're going to do offense later. And I ran to the front of the line and I was the first guy to do the tackling drill. And I tried to tackle some guy. And after the drill, my coach grabbed me, he goes, you're going to go to the offensive side. <laughs> <laughs> And that was my only rep ever on defense. Uh, and that was my introduction to tackle football. Tell us about high school. What sort of accomplishments in high school? Uh, I attended St. John Bosco High School in the city of Bellflower, um, which is very much uh, a high school uh, football factory now. Um, 
And when I was playing, we, we did quite well for ourselves, but they're they're doing quite well now. I'm very proud of their success. Uh, my mom didn't necessarily send my brother and I to that school for uh, a- athletic focus, but she wanted to have a place that um, had positive male role models for my brother and I. And I learned so much more from that school uh, than just uh, how to play football. But uh, it was a great uh, experience in my life. Met a lot of really close friends that I'm very close with today. Um, but while we were there, had a lot of accomplishments uh, uh, in the athletic arena. Uh, I was uh, my class president, was involved with youth ministry and different events on campus and uh, really bought into the entire experience of of what the Bosco community is about. Um, and uh, leaving Bellflower to Westwood, I was the seventh person in a role for my high school to go to UCLA to play football. So we had a really great Bosco to uh, to Bruins tradition, and I was very proud to continue that. That's pretty awesome. So let's talk more about that. What, what was the recruiting process like? And if you can share if there were any other schools you were possibly considering, but sounds like UCLA was number one and only one, huh? I actually didn't have a lot of opportunities for different universities. My brother was all everything in high school. Uh, everything he ever did in life, I just, I had to kind of chase him. Um, when we were young kids, I was always on the same sports teams as he was, even though he was a few years older. So my entire childhood, I played with kids um, in the grade level ahead of, of me. Right. And it was really difficult because I'd always get beat up. Uh, but when I got to high school and was able to play with kids my age, it really helped me out. I did not play at my high school as the starter until my senior year. So I did not have a lot of offers. Uh, I had an offer to Sacramento State I was planning on going to the University of Idaho, and I got offered to UCLA with about two and a half weeks before signing date. And uh, at the time, Coach Carl Durrell brought me into his office, and he was talking to me about some of the other quarterbacks uh, in the high school arena that they were trying to get. And he goes, you know, this guy went to this school, this guy went to this school, this guy can't pass his math class, um, and he can't get in academically. And we think he's better than you, but we think that you have the opportunity of being better than him in the future. So we're going to offer you instead. <laughs> I was like, wow. Cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, you, know, you, know, you know, Patrick, one of the things that I'm struck by is that football was clearly not the only thing in life. We've had a number of our guests, uh, both past and, and coming up, and it's all they did was was play their sport they had a dream of being a pro of being a star being a hall of famer it sounds like football was important but not the end all and be all right up until getting to ucla is that a fair statement yes and no football was the most important thing to me uh, i i understood that there were other things that were important um I was lucky enough to have wonderful guidance from my mom in the community that i was around to be exposed to other things, but football was still my focus. Um, I grew up in the city of Pico Rivera uh, in the Southeast LA part of Los Angeles. Uh, From a personal level, paying for college wasn't something my family was in a position to do. So I also understood that athletics uh, was an avenue for me to continue my education, to get that paid for. And being at Bosco and having young men kind of set the path for me 
in a sense, gave me a blueprint on how to accomplish that. But it was very much my love. Yeah. Coming up, we'll be having Patrick share about his best and worst UCLA memories on and off the field on After the Glory. Thinking about a new or used car? Think Infinity of Thousand Oaks. We've been serving Thousand Oaks in Southern California for years. We have new, used, and certified pre-owned Infinity vehicles available now with many special offers. There's something for everyone. Infinity of Thousand Oaks is your home for the best deals on Infinity cars. With the COVID pandemic, we offer contactless sales. Call our sales office at 805-262-7442 or visit infinityofthousandoaks.com. Pick out a vehicle and we'll deliver it to your home or office with all the paperwork done with the power of the internet. Our award-winning sales and service team is waiting to give you the best service in buying a vehicle you've ever had. Call us today at 805-262-7442 and make an appointment for your new 2020 Infinity or visit our website at infinityofthousandoaks.com. Since 1980, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern has been known as a lawyer's lawyer, passionate about his clients and equally passionate about bringing honor, dignity, and respect to the legal profession. Gary Stern represents folks seriously injured because of healthcare negligence, defective and dangerous products and property, neglect in long-term care facilities, and careless operation of cars and trucks. He has successfully resolved hundreds of cases for his clients, providing them with the financial help they needed during trying times. Gary Stern is a member of the prestigious National Trial Lawyers Top 100, active with consumer attorneys of Los Angeles and California, and is admitted to the bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. And most important, I am proud to call him dad. You can reach Gary Stern at 818-710-2717 or visit his website at www.sternlaw.org. And we're back on After the Glory with Patrick Cowan, former UCLA quarterback, now an executive with Thai Court title. Uh, Patrick, you've been accepted to UCLA, uh, not necessarily as a starter, but you ended up in, in a major role as a starter. Take us through your four-year career at UCLA. As I shared, I wasn't a, uh, a big recruit to the Bruins. I, I believe I was the fifth string uh, quarterback when I got there. And I knew that I had to prove uh, my worth when I got there. I, I was definitely lucky, and I understood that my brother's success as a true freshman on the team helped lead to uh, providing an opportunity. Uh, but I knew that I had to prove to myself and my teammates uh, that I belonged there as well. Uh, and I left as the starter to UCLA. Um, I had an amazing experience, met some really terrific people along the way, um, had some great wins and some tough losses. Uh, my playing career ended my fourth season, my redshirt junior year against the Trojans. Uh, I ended up hurting my knee, a little confusion with my MRI results from that. Um, but I ended up tearing my ACL and I found out the results going into my fifth year uh, when Rick Neuheisel had come to UCLA. Uh, and I had found out a few weeks prior to spring ball starting that my ACL was torn. And I had the option of uh, trying to play on it for the year or getting surgery. And I ended up doing the entire spring ball on it. I tried to play on it. Uh, but by the end of my spring practices, I collapsed and I had uh, hurt my knee more. 
Um, that ended my playing career at UCLA, um, which was an unfortunate way for it to end. Uh, but uh, that's just what had happened. You did have some great years there. Uh, it, were you always a quarterback? Uh, I was a quarterback, but I think my greatest accomplishment in 2006, uh, our kicker, Justin Medlock, was first-team All-American kicker, and I was his holder. So I think I was first-team All-American field goal holder at UCLA and waiting for uh, the NCAA to send me my trophy. But, yeah, quarterback and uh, field goal holding was my specialties. I was on the field. So Justin's not (laughs) kicking the ball off of nothing. He needs somebody to hold the ball down. So Somebody's got to do the job, right? Right. (laughs) It's usually always the quarterback, though, that's the holder. I mean, it it, it seems like there's a pattern to that. They they started to put more receivers there, but – yeah, but I did double duty. It's not a big deal. I played two positions. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, Patrick, we are taping this episode uh, during a very strange week in Los Angeles history because this is game, big game week. Uh, SCUCLA will be playing this coming uh, Saturday. Uh, you'll be this will be uh, heard by our audience much after. But uh, obviously, no fans in the stands. It's going to be a very different type of a thing. Tell us about that experience of USC-UCLA, because there really isn't anything like it, is there? No, it's it's really special. You know, when I was playing at UCLA, across town, the, the Trojans had won a couple national championships. Our basketball team at UCLA went to three straight Final Fours. There was probably three or four national championships won amongst the um, Olympic sports on campus, and we were winning eight games a year. And, uh, you know, we were the bottom of the totem pole and everything. The bar was lifted high uh, in all regards. And we had lost to those guys quite a few years in a row. So when we were going into that week, when we had beat them in 2006, we were very determined to beat those guys. And hats off to them because there was a lot of talent on that. But uh, we had a lot of talent on our team as well. And um, special game that at the time you play and you play to win. Uh, but over the years have really come to better appreciate what that rivalry is, um, the stories that have stemmed from it. You know, I've had people come up to me, you know, grown men weeping. (laughs) I remember after that game and they're going, my entire family is a USC family. And every year during the holidays, I get grief from them. And this year I got to keep my chin high. Thank you. I I had a guy come up to me years later. He goes, I met my wife at a party that night. And I was like, cool, good for you, man. <laughs> I had people at graduation running up to me at UCLA, and they're just like, that was my favorite night of college. This has been the best, you know, four years ever. Thank you. And I wasn't necessarily, you know, playing that game for them. Uh, but uh, the older I've become, I've understood that, that I was. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Incredible. Pat, so you did mention that shortly after your career at UCLA football did come to a halt. What were you thinking about when someone told you that this is it? It was really hard because it was all that I had ever worked for in my life. You know, I wasn't the starter in high school. Uh, You know, kind of just things were always against uh, me. Uh, You know, there's adversity. That's That's what sports is. Football is a game of adversity. In every match and in every season, you're going to get knocked down, and it's how you respond to things, and that's what life is. That's what I've taken from this sport more than anything. Um, 
So throughout my career, be it through high school and competition in college and then injuries, it's how you respond to things. It was very difficult at the time, though. It's a lot easier saying that now, but I still really wanted to play. I ended up uh, receiving three contracts in the NFL, um, one to the Washington football team, to the Cincinnati Bengals and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I went to the Saints. I was there for three, three and a half months. Um, after practice one day, I got cut. And there's a lot of different stories with all those things, but uh, but that was the end of it. My NFL career was not for long, and that's what they say the NFL truly stands for. So, Did you have a dream once you began playing serious football in high school of going to the NFL, or was the immediate goal uh, the college game? My goal... My entire childhood, the only thing that I watched every year from beginning to end was the NFL draft, probably since I was eight years old, right. all the way through college. And all I ever wanted to see was my name at the bottom line. <laughs> and uh, even going into the draft after I had my, my knee injury, um, there was still some hope that I might have got picked up late in, in the later rounds, and I didn't, but I still had an opportunity to practice with an NFL team. I signed a contract. I got paid a little money, and for a small period of my life, I was a professional athlete. But I think through my injuries and experience and speaking with people, I, I think the biggest transition, and, and I, I know this is what you guys are, are discussing a lot in this podcast, it's coming to the realization that playing a sport is something you do. It's not who you are. And I think that's the biggest struggle and transition that former athletes go through because for your life, be it your childhood, your high school, everything, collegiate level, there's a point where it's over. And you had, in, in some aspects, been put up on this pedestal for being able to run fast or being strong or, you know, getting from point A to point B more efficiently than somebody else, figuring out how to utilize that, you know, those skill sets and that work ethic into another aspect in life uh, is is the transition everyone goes through. And, um, uh, and I think that my injury helped expedite that process a little bit for me. So we have Lucy saying... Gary Stern and Patrick Cowan here on After the Glory. Coming up, Patrick will be sharing about life after the glory and the other passions that he's come to love. Hello, this is Dean, third generation owner of Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. We are located near UCLA in the heart of Westwood Village, where we have been since 1946. For 74 years, my family has stood for the highest standards of knowledge and integrity and are proud members of the prestigious American Gem Society. But it is our personal touch that truly makes us a cut above. Client relationships last for decades and generations. With six UCLA alumni, the family has supported UCLA for decades, including the famous Sarah Leonard Jewelers Watch Giveaway. For diamonds and colored gems, designer collections and estate jewelry, watches, custom design, and gorgeous gifts starting under $100, it's all here at Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. Mention the code GLORY and get 20% off your first purchase, plus a 10% UCLA discount on all future purchases. Call 310-208-3131 today for your appointment or visit us at sarahleonardjewelers.com. Free parking available. Again, call 310-208-3131, use the code GLORY and experience the Sarah Leonard difference for yourself. Life Coaching for Athletes is here to help. Coach Lucy is a certified life coach focused on working with athlete-minded people in finding and pursuing success in life outside of sports. 
She serves as an accountability partner and offers different perspectives when her clients are facing big challenges and decisions. Follow Resiliency on Instagram at Resiliency, that's R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching for more information. As a co-host of Vets of the Glory, Coach Lucy is excited to share her expertise in working with athletes and looks forward to connecting with all you listeners to learn more of your stories as well. And we're back on After the Glory. Patrick, I'm going to go right into it. On the website of Tycor Title, in your bio, it says, Patrick believes in doing good work, following up on your word, and doing things the right way the first time. Tell us about this philosophy and maybe a little more about how your life after the glory of football has kind of represented that. Yeah, I hate to be cliche or not, but uh, I, I think a lot about what Coach Wooden used to say about, you know, really understanding and defining what success is. And obviously everyone always wants to win, but success isn't necessarily that all the time. It's doing things correctly and, you know, being able to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day, knowing that you did your best. So in addition to that, kind of going back to my athletic days, what I really loved is that I would be in the Rose Bowl or some stadium across the country and there'd be thousands and thousands of people there and millions of people watching on TV and nothing would happen on the field until I said so. Like if I didn't call the cadence, like nothing would go until I said it and it was such a cool experience, but there was the rush of doing it properly because if I didn't, the play wouldn't operate correctly. That's why I think football is like the ultimate team sport because there's so much more that can go wrong than right you have to be on the same page with people and you have to do it correctly and you have to do it within time frame. And if you don't, someone's physically really gonna hurt you. So if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it correctly and you might as well do it correctly the first time. Um, and um, yeah, I just try to do that in anything else I do in my life now. When I was finishing up with the New Orleans Saints, uh, not too long after, my girlfriend at the time, uh, who by the way, was a former UCLA All-American swimmer, far, far better at what she did than I did. Um, um, we've been together for I don't know like 13 or 14 years and uh, when I got cut from the Saints she ended up leaving her job with the Dodgers and we uh, lived for uh, close to a year um, in a small slum outside of Nairobi, Kenya uh, we spent a year at that time um, volunteering at a school for orphans and street children we had a lot of friends from UCLA that ended up doing different things uh, around the world my best friend and uh, my college center on the football team my roommate uh, was a Rhodes Scholar afterwards so we went and visited him spent some time um, uh, up in the UK um, then we lived in in Nairobi one of my wife's girlfriends on the swim team continued her studies at the American Institute in Cairo so, you know, if we were on that part of the world, I wanted to go see the pyramids. But the truth is, is that Nairobi and Cairo is really far. Right. Uh, it's not super close, but, uh, uh, you know, we climbed the pyramids and experienced life there. And my wife's uncle lives in Thailand. So in, in route to going home, we actually went to Bangkok, took a layover in Tokyo, had some sushi in an airport. So I said I, you know, had sushi in Japan, but it's just like 7-Eleven packaged sushi. It's not very Nobody good. has to know, Patrick. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and then we flew back over the Pacific. So that year, uh, we ended up traveling around the whole world. Uh, we weren't ex expecting to do any of that. Through my time, I think I gained the most valuable thing that I can in my life, which is perspective. Uh, everywhere I traveled, 
I saw this on people's clothes and it really made me think where the heck did I go to school and made me uh, more and more think about um, what's important. And um, personally, I think education and the accessibility for people, uh, for all people to have a fair and uh, an equal education uh, uh, became a passion of mine. And for the majority of my professional career, uh, I had been focused on education. It's a remarkable thing, Patrick. Uh, as a member of the class of 77 at UCLA, um, I've never ceased to be amazed by the kinds of people who go to UCLA, both athletes and coaches. Uh, you mentioned Coach Wooden. We're going to be premiering our season two uh, in January with uh, Coach uh, Miss Val. And uh, it's just an amazing thing, the, the, the similarities between her and Coach Wooden. Obviously, she was mentored by Coach Wooden. But his influence went throughout the university in all the sports, all the time. Uh, talk a little about that and, and how that influenced your life, just the whole experience at UCLA. I shared that my wife is a, a Bruins swimmer. Uh, my brother was a wide receiver at UCLA. Um, they're both a year older than I am. Uh, the year after I got to UCLA, my wife's younger sister ended up attending UCLA. She's a three-time national champ on the women's water polo team. And then she married the men's water polo goalie, and he was also an Olympian for the United States. So we had this super huge Bruin family. And, um, you know, speaking to Coach Wooden, my brother-in-law Shea was sharing with me that years and years ago when, when all the athletic offices were in the men's gym, the men's water polo office was next to the basketball office. And Shea was sharing that one day the men's water polo coach was just scratching his head and Coach Wooden walked by and was like, you know, what's the matter? He's like, I'm trying to figure out how to better do X's and O's. And John Wooden sat down with him. And my brother-in-law has shared with me that John Wooden has revolutionized men's water polo, the water polo game more than anyone ever, because the X's and O's of it are very similar to basketball. And after he had done that, that's when the Bruins water polo program went on a run, winning championships for years and years. Wow. So, um, yeah, obviously Coach Wooden has, has done so much, but... I don't think many people know about that from the water polo world. Um, I, I certainly didn't. Uh, he's been gone yeah. 10 years, and he still has a uh, an incredible uh, influence on us. Uh, tell us about getting to uh, Tycor, and uh, how did you come into that field? As I shared, my professional career had been um, uh, focused on education. I had done you know, some teaching here and there, but I tried to really better understand how I felt I can contribute the most uh, towards the um, – you know, towards the growth and, and availability of education. And I got into the business development side of it. I had worked for a nonprofit, a wonderful, wonderful organization called City Year. It's a part of the AmeriCorps program. And I worked at Compton Avenue Elementary School in Watts, Florence Griffith Joyner Elementary School in Watts, and Manual Arts High School in South Central. Uh, all terrific communities, uh, um, people that I was able to work with, uh, manual arts, the only tough thing is at my classroom, when I looked out the window, I saw the Coliseum. So that just brought up that, you know, <laughs> memories of blowing my knee out. After I, I had exited City Year, I worked back at my high school for a few years, uh, which led me back to UCLA. And that's where Lucy and I had met and connected. Uh, and when I had left UCLA, I was the executive director to the re regional giving program at the university. 
I uh, was able to do some international travel as well with the chancellor, was able to meet wonderful Bruins all across the country, uh, successful in many different fields of work, uh, who contributed back in all aspects to the university, uh, a job I was greatly, greatly appreciative for and love. On the side note, on the personal side, um, uh, my commute to and from work was about three and a half hours to four hours a day. Uh, at the time, I had uh, my son was four, my daughter was three, and as I continued to meet with more and more people, the one question I asked everybody was, what advice can you give me as a young dad? And everybody kept telling me that you'll never get these years back uh, if you're not gonna be around them. I met my boss, his name is Rick Bayshore. Shout out to Rick Bayshore, he's a great man. <laughs> he's also a former UCLA quarterback, uh, was a quarterback for the Bruins in the late 70s. And after we had connected one day, he goes, man, you need a job where you could work from home one day. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll figure something out. He goes, you're gonna come and work for me. And it's been a terrific uh, adjustment uh, and transition to my company. Um, and uh, anybody looking for title insurance or escrow needs, I'm your guy, so you can hit me up. And from that, uh, even before the pandemic and everything else happening in this world, it provided me an opportunity to be with my family. And uh, there's nothing more that's uh, important to me. So I'm very appreciative of my job and, and happy with what I'm doing now. And when we come back, Patrick will share his last words of wisdom for fellow athletes transitioning into life after the glory, and then some. Have you ever wanted to experience the thrill of playing spring training baseball with some of the game's legends? At LED ABC, we believe you should be able to live your dream of being a pro baseball player, and now you can. The LED ABC Adult Baseball Camp is an independently owned and operated fantasy camp for men and women over the age of 30. As an independent camp, you can be a fan of any team from any city and you'll feel right at home with us. Our next camp is scheduled for November 7th through the 13th, 2021, and will be held at the historic Dodger Town Complex in Vero Beach, Florida, now known as the Jackie Robinson Training Complex. You'll play ball all week long on the best practice fields in the nation. You'll enjoy use of state-of-the-art facilities, and you'll be pampered and cared for just like a major leaguer. We invite you to visit our website and sign up for our November 2021 camp. Just go to www.ladabc.com. That's ladabc.com. And we're back on After the Glory with Patrick Cowan, former UCLA quarterback, and now a, uh, a prominent individual in the business world with Tycor title. Uh, Patrick, uh, this is a strange time, needless to say, on so many levels, um, and, it, and especially in athletics. I'm curious if you've had a chance in your travels these last uh, number of months, a year or so, to to have a chance to talk to athletes, you know, generally about the challenges of, of being a, uh, an elite athlete and especially during this pandemic and how it's upended so many dreams and so many uh, uh, routines. My general advice for athletes, for example, things that I share with, with young men and young ladies that are, uh, you know, high school recruitable athletes have opportunities potentially for college. My honest advice is never to choose a school because of a coach. I try to start there. Don't do it because a team runs a specific offense set that you like or the coach tweets you or they're showing me a lot of love. You need to go into the locker room and you need to listen to what your peers are talking about. Are these people I want to surround myself with? Are these the types of conversations that I want to be a part of myself, but also to be a part of when I'm done playing one day? What community and network do I see that 
it will naturally be built from uh, this recruiting process. Because the truth is, is that your position coach is going to get an opportunity to become a coordinator and they're going to leave you in a heartbeat. And that coordinator is going to get a job to be a head coach somewhere and that head coach is looking for their next uh, better job and their bigger paycheck. And it's nothing to their fault. It's what the industry is. But for recruitable athletes, don't choose a school because of a coach. You don't know when your last play is going to be your last play. You know, in regards to the pandemic and and just athletics in general, it's how I approach anything else. It's how you're going to respond to this. What can you control in this situation? If if you still want to be a great athlete, there's nothing against you waking up and working out and running and staying in shape and figuring out your X's and O's, and that can get tiring and mundane and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? That's what being a professional athlete is. So this is going to give you the best taste of what being a professional athlete is actually like. And for those kids that get robbed of their last year of playing, yeah, I've gone through that too, and it sucks, and I'm sorry. Um your athletic career should not be the only thing you're focused on. It should not hinder from any of your academics. It should tell these kids to take an extra class right now to allow them an opportunity to graduate early and transfer and go get a master's somewhere paid for. When I was younger, I thought a scholarship meant putting on a hat and saying, I'm going to this place. But the reality is, is that a scholarship means I got to start my life at zero. I had no debt. Student debt right now is real. Who are you and, talking to, Patrick? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like starting my life at zero is beautiful. That's what getting a scholarship is. If that can help provide that for your future, then that's great. I don't know if that's what you're looking no, for. No, that's but. exactly what we were looking for. And I, 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 I couldn't agree more that you can't let the pandemic uh, itself be an excuse. Yeah. yeah. Lucy, wrap it up for us. And with that... As we wrap this episode up, Patrick, what is next for you, personally and professionally? Ooh, well, the biggest thing is that <laughs> my wife and I are expecting our third kid due on the twentieth. So um, that's just fan it's, it's our COVID baby, so we're excited. Uh, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl, and uh, uh, whoever it is is going to balance out the power of of boys to girls in our family. So um, we're just really excited and looking forward to meeting that little one. The reality is, is that this year has been tough for a lot of people, but the year before was tough for a lot of people as well. And the year before that and the year before that, uh, I'm lucky enough to say that I still have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, Luckily, my family hasn't been affected uh, by this pandemic personally. There's a lot of family friends that I have that have, but uh, I'm, I'm thankful for every day that we have together. I'm thankful that we're both in working right now, but for me, I don't know. My son told me he tore down his Lego house earlier. So I'm looking forward to rebuilding that with him later this evening. And um, yeah. And the Bruins beating the Trojans this weekend. That's what, what? That, that's, that's what we're all, that's what we're all pushing for. That'll never Patrick, die. So <laughs> there you go. Patrick Cowan on behalf of Lucy saying and myself, we can't thank you enough for being our guest on uh, after the glory. You have proven once again that after the glory, there can be more glory and continued glory. So thank you again for being with us. And thanks to our producer, Mark Allen, our recording engineer, the insane Daryl Wayne. And until next time, take care, everybody.